Well, I'm excited about the word this morning, and the word is what's changed my life. You know, Jesus said, he said, my words are spirit in their life. Don't look at this book as a dead letter. Don't look at it as an archaic book. Don't look at it as, a, as, as just a good stories that, that teach, a, teach just about maybe some good ways on how you could live. No, you have to understand that this word, Timothy tells us that every word, every scripture is God-breathed, God-inspired. Peter talks about how the Holy Spirit would come upon men and they would write. I love this book. Think about it. This book was written over a 1,500-year period of time by 40 different authors in different places and areas of time, and yet it all, all coincides together. And there's over 630 prophecies that have come to pass. That, that are, are just, not just things that, that came to us here, but you can prove it through archaeology. You can prove it through science. I, I love the details of the Word of God. Do you realize that, that how detailed the Word of God is? Now, just something simple, some, something simple like this. Do you understand the, the, the theory? If you, you in, I love science. So, you know, you like, you know, you've heard of evaporation, right? Do you realize Job talked about the evaporation cycle? Almost 2,000 years before someone, quote unquote, founded it. But yet Job talked about how the water comes up and the water comes down and returns back again. You see, the Bible is inexhaustible. The word of God is life and health to all our flesh. The word of God opens our eyes to, to an understanding of who he is, his nature, his plan and purpose for our lives. And as you get into the word, you, you will see him. And as you get into the word, not only that, but you will see yourself in him. And not only as you get in and you see yourself in him, now you'll, you'll see the, maybe the call of God upon your life. And it will direct you. It will keep you. It will prosper you. It will strengthen you. That's why we are a word church. That's why I'm a word of faith preacher. Hallelujah. And I've been talking about focus. What does focus mean? Can you say it with me? Fixed on Christ's unlimited supply. Fixed on Christ's unlimited supply. Fixed on Christ's unlimited supply. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. And this has been a, a key scripture in this series I've been doing. And this came out of... We started this series was just a just a line in the prophetic word that Dr. Savell gave us back in in October, and it's this one fry, one phrase that says, "Allow no one to discourage you by what they say." You see, the enemy will want to discourage you, and how does the enemy come? He will come through words. He'll come through news. He'll come through reports. He'll come through, he'll come through suggestions. He'll come through things that maybe, maybe the, the suggestions in your own mind, suggestions that come from other people, you know, as Deuteronomy one, one talks about, it said, it said, when they said these things, he says, didn't our hearts melt within us? So because of what the report was, their hearts melted. So, so this word says, allow no one to discourage you by what they say. It says, keep your eyes on me and I will have my way. So if we're keeping, if we're keeping our eyes on something, that means we're focusing on something. 
And what I'm determined to deposit in us is being fixed on Christ's unlimited supply. Now, Christ wasn't Jesus's last name. It wasn't Joseph and Mary Christ. I've heard some people say it could have been Joseph and Mary Goldstein. I don't know. Whatever a good Hebrew name would have been at that time. But Christ just represented the office and the empowerment that was upon his life. We could call Christ the grace of God. We could call grace, we could call Christ the power of God. We could call Christ the glory of God. We could call it the strength of God. We could call it the presence of God. We could call it the power of God. We could call it the glory of God. Being fixed on Christ. Christ means the anointed one in his anointing. So being fixed, fixing our, fixed on Christ, fixed on God's ability, fixed on the anointed's unlimited supply, a supply without limits, being fixed on what he can do. Never discounting the favor factor, never discounting the anointing factor that even in your own ability, your own strength, you might not know how it's going to turn out, but don't let go of the Christ factor. So keeping our eyes fixed on Christ and limited supply. Keep our eyes on me and I'll have my way. So let's look at Ephesians chapter one, verse 17. And I'll read in the Amplified. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. This is Paul's prayer that I'm praying And Paul's praying because what? Paul wants results. Paul's praying for the church because he loves the church of Ephesus. Paul's praying because he's looking forward to our day and he loves you. Why? Because he he has the Father's heart. So he's praying for something to happen. I, I'm praying that you would give them, that you would grant, that you, that he may grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. If you have revelation of something, then you can see something. He may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation of insight into mysteries and secrets. I want you to know that God wants you to see mysteries and secrets. Now, when I say mysteries and secrets, I'm not like, ooh, mysteries and secrets. No, it just means that. Now, now think about it. Even today, Corinthians, Corinthians tells us, First, Second Corinthians 3 tells us that when the gospel is read, that Jewish people, they hear it and there's still a veil over their eyes. They can't see it. You could, you could point out all the prophecies that have been fulfilled in eyes day to day and they'll still say Jesus isn't the Messiah. Why? Because they, 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 they see it with a veil over their eyes. But Paul's prayer is that, he, that we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. It's not just wisdom and revelation to know, I mean, it, it's about knowing him. It's, it's, it's about our eyes being open to him. See, the Jewish people can't see him. And see, if we see him, then we can see the Father. 
if we can see the father, then we can see, we can, we can know the father's heart. So, so here he wants to give them wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Your eyes need to be open to Jesus, meaning more than he was just a religious figure. Your eyes open to everything that Jesus has done, everything that Jesus has established. Verse 18 says, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand. So this revelation is brought so I can see something. So that I can know something. God wants you to know him. My heart for you this morning is you would leave here with a little bit understanding of knowing him. I don't want you to know Justin. I want you to know him. I just don't want you to just know no aspects of religion or, or routines that we may have as, as a church, but I want you to know him. That you would know and understand. What, what that, if you would know him, then what would you know? That you would know the hope to which he's called you. See, if you, can, if you see him, then you have hope. Most people that don't have hope, it's because they don't know him. It's impossible to get to know him and not have hope. See, most people have no hope because, because they're more in touch with their circumstance and more in touch with their situation instead of knowing him. Think about it. The times that you've been in discouraged or you've been disappointed or you've been overwhelmed by something. Why? It's because you're more intimate with your problem than you are with him. But if I know him, then I will know the hope of his calling. Then it says that I will know the inheritance of the saints. Do you realize you have as a believer, as someone that is in Christ, you have an inheritance you have access to things. There's something that was purchased and bought for you. You have an inheritance. Hallelujah. I could go so many different directions right now. Help me, Lord, to stay on track. That you would know. And how, you would know how rich is the glorious inheritance in the saints. His set apart ones. And so that you can know and understand, so that you can know and understand, listen to this, the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe. So he wants me to know the hope of his calling. He wants me to know the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints and what he wants me to know, what is the immeasurable, unlimited, and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe. He wants you to know this. He wants you to... Look to your neighbor and just say this. He wants you to know the immeasurable, the unlimited, the surpassing greatness of his power. Woo! Hallelujah! He wants you to know this. Hallelujah. I don't want to have a powerless religion. 
Hallelujah. And this is what Paul's prayer is, that our eyes would be open to this. I want our eyes fixed. I want your eyes fixed on the hope of his calling. I want your eyes fixed on the, the inheritance that you have. I want your eyes fixed on his immeasurable, unlimited, surpassing greatness of his power. Fixed, fixed on Christ's unlimited supply. Go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are our teacher. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Verse 1. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, he returned from Jordan. Now, now, he wasn't from Jordan. We know he was from Nazareth, right? But he left Nazareth as Mary's boy. He left Nazareth as Joseph the carpenter's son. He left Nazarene, Nazareth, with Judas and James and Joseph's and his sisters, he he left he 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 left siblings behind, and he left Nazareth, and he went to the Jordan to be baptized. But yet, when he returned from Jordan, he returned full of the Holy Ghost. Now, this word "full" here is a Greek word called "pleiros," "pleiros." That's how we would pronounce it, and the word "pleiros" means to replete. Webster's defines the word replete, meaning to make complete or to cover, to not just cover, but completely cover. So when he says that he returned to Jordan full of the Holy Ghost, it said now he returned completely covered with the Holy Ghost. He returned complete with the Holy Ghost. He was replete, meaning he was filled with and overflowing and totally complete and covered with the Holy Ghost. So he goes into the wilderness and we know he was there 40 days. Matthew's account of this says he was there 40 days and afterwards he was then tempted. So he was tempted for 40 days, but afterwards he was tempted by Satan himself. But in, in Luke chapter 4, verse 14, he then says this, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Now get this, he left Nazareth as just Mary's boy. He leaves Jordan complete with the Holy Spirit, but he comes out of the wilderness full of power. See, he was covered and complete with the Holy Ghost when he went into the wilderness, but he came out of the wilderness full of power. Dynamo. It's where we get our word dynamite from. Dunamis is the Greek word. Hallelujah. He returned in the power. 
he returned in the power. And then in Luke 4, uh, Luke 4 verse, uh, verse 16 says, and he came to Nazareth. So he went back to where he came out of. See, they just knew him as Mary's boy. But now he had, he had been to Jordan and baptized. Now he had been into the wilderness and he came out full of dunamis, full of power. And he comes back to what he came out of, full of power. And he stood up and he read, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book and he gave it again to the minister. He sat down and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. They were fastened on him. Maybe they were fastened on him because when he left, he was Mary's boy. And now they're fastened on him because there's something different about him. All the eyes, all their eyes were fastened on him. And he began to say to them, he began to say to them, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Now, there's a lot I could talk about this morning as we as, as you hear in Luke chapter four, but I, I have a particular assignment this morning. I, I want you to see that when you see the anointing and you focus on the anointing, your eyes can't get off the anointing. You see, when you look at the anointing and you see the anointing, you are be, you'll be captivated by the anointing. If you get more captivated by the world, then that's what you'll go to. But when you get captivated by the anointing, it will stop you right where you are. I think of, I think of Mark chapter five, verse six, it, it talked about the demon possessed man that was at the Gadarenes. And, and he said, it said he saw Jesus afar off. And it said he ran to them and it said he saw him afar off. He ran to him and fell at his feet. In, in, in Mark chapter five, verse 22, when, when, when Jairus, it said when he saw Jesus, it said he fell at his feet and he in verse five, verse six, with the demon possessed, said he fell, he, he fell down. He saw him from afar off. He ran to him and he fell down and he worshiped him. Jairus ran, saw him, ran to him. When Jesus came in Mark nine, when Jesus came out of the Mount Transfiguration and he, and he came down and, and Jesus cast out the demon from the demon possessed man, it said, it said, all them beheld him, all, all, all of them beheld him and they walked after him. There's something about when you see the anointing. You see, the anointing destroys burdens. The anointing removes yokes. We need to be fixed on the one who has the ability to not just redeem, but the ability to restore. We have to be captivated by his person, be captivated by his character, be captivated by his church, be captivated by his presence.
Are you captivated by his presence? Are you captivated by his, his character? Are you captivated by his person or has he just become a routine? Has your life of faith become a formality or is your life of faith a living springing water that's welling up on the inside of you? Are you captivated by the anointed one? Would you be captivated? Are you captivated by Jesus every day of your life? We saw a demon possessed man saw Jesus afar off, runs to him and bows down to worship him. Are you captivated by him or is he just a routine? Are you captivated by him or is he just a formality in your life? Are you captivated by his call on your life? Now, when I use the word call, most of the time we think of maybe a a future occupation or, or I'm called to business or I'm called to this or I'm called to ministry. I'm called to be a pastor. I'm called to be a missionary. And and we can get so caught up in titles or so caught up in, in those natural things, so to speak. And I'm not making light of that aspect of calling, but are you captivated by the call? Are you captivated by the Savior's call? And there's so many things I could talk about that, but, but turn real quick and hold your place. Actually, don't hold your place. <laughs> go, to, go to 1 John chapter 3, and you can, also, you can go back to Ephesians chapter 1. First John chapter three, and you can hold your place in Ephesians one. Thank you, Father. Be captivated. Be captivated by Him. First John chapter three, verse one. Behold, meaning look at. Pay attention to. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. So when I talk about this morning, for the sake of this morning, when I talk about being captivated by the call, you see, when you're captivated by him, You'll be captivated by this call. Because God doesn't, God didn't, thank you, Father. Mm. God doesn't just want to intersect in your life so you can go to heaven one day or your get get out of hell free card. No, it's being captivated by the savior being captivated by his person, his character, his nature, that our life of faith is, is, is not something that we use as a formula, but it's, it's something that's living and springing on the inside of us being captivated by this call. Behold what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. 
See, when you are fixed on him, you will see who you are in him. When you're fixed on who he is, you can then see who you really are. And what he designed and what he made available to each one of us is that you would be a son of God, that you would be a daughter of God. The next verse says, behold, now, now are we sons of God. I love how he added that to it because we could always look back and say, well, one day in the sweet by and by, one day when we get to heaven, we're going to be his children. One day. No, he says, behold, now we are the sons of God. Be captivated by this call. Be captivated by this call. You're a son. When I talk about being fixed on Christ, unlimited supply, I'm talking about being fixed in that position and place of being where God's called you to be. Let's go look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Now read this in the Amplified. May blessing, praise, laudation, and eulogy be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who has blessed us, has, meaning it's already happened, has blessed, that's past tense, has blessed us in Christ. You have already been blessed in Christ. We don't have to, we're not waiting for a, I'm not waiting for a blessing. I'm blessed. Don't ever pray. Oh Lord, bless me. Oh Lord, bless me. Oh, oh Lord, would you bless me? Lord, would you bless me? What? He'd be, I already have. The blessing is yours. The, the same blessing that was Abraham came on the Gentile. You're already blessed. Don't ask God for something he's already made available because you're a son of God, because you're a daughter of God. You don't have to beg and plead and, and cry. Oh, won't you bless me? You don't have to pray. Oh, make me holy. Make me holy. Oh, Lord, make me holy. Lord, make me holy. No, he made you holy when he made you righteous, when you received Jesus. Being fixed on Christ's unlimited supply is being fixed on who you are in him. You have already been blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Verse four says, even in his love, he chose us. We just read, behold, what manner the love the father has bestowed upon us that he would call us sons. And here he says, even in his love, he chose us. He actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy, consecrated, set apart for him and blameless in his sight, even above reproach before him in love. For he foreordained us, he destined us, planned in love for us to be adopted Amplified says revealed as his own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the purpose of his will, because it pleased him and it was his kind intent because it pleased him. It pleases the father to call you chosen. 
It pleases the father to call you his. It pleases the father to call you accepted. When I got a revelation of this, it changed how I lived. When I got a revelation of it, it changed, it changed my, my faith level. It changed how I prayed. It changed how I did things. It changed how I, how I talked to people. It changed my life when I realized that I'm accepted in him. We don't have to earn abundant overflow. (laughs) I don't, you, you don't earn healing. You don't earn forgiveness. You don't earn salvation. You don't earn freedom. You don't earn anointing. You don't earn giftings and graces. You are his beloved. You're adopted. Verse 6. He adopted us so that we might be to the praise and the commendation of his glorious grace, which he so freely bestowed on us in the what? Beloved. This grace, this abundant grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. The abundant grace that he so freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Then verse 7. In him, we have redemption. In him. In him, I have redemption. What does redemption mean? Redemption means that I was purchased, Kermit. I was on that auction block. Humanity was on that auction block. And yet Jesus came into the world. And said, I'll take the place. In him. In him we have redemption. Man. In him. We, he purchased and he paid a price. He purchased and paid an ultimate price for each one of us. In him, in him. See, in Christ, I have redemption. It's not in my ability. It's not in myself. It's in him. I have redemption. It's in him. I have redemption. See, when I'm fixed on Christ, when I'm fixed on Jesus, when my eyes of my understanding are open, when he, see Paul saying, grant unto them, give unto them a spirit of revelation and knowledge of him. What does he want us to get a hold of this morning? Seeing him and the fact that in him, I have redemption in him. I've been made free in him. I've been made whole in him. I've been forgiven in him, in him, in him. In him, in whom we have redemption. There's over 134 scriptures where, where the word talks about what we have in him, in him, in whom. I want us, our, our eyes to be open to what's available in Christ. What's been made available for you. In him we have redemption. Go to Colossians 1. Colossians 1.
Redemption means deliverance and release and liberation due to a ransom that's been paid. And see, all that happened because of the riches of his grace. Mm. Let your eyes be fixed on him. Colossians 1 verse 12 says, Give thanks unto the Father. Give thanks unto the Father, which made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance in the saints of light. What is, what is, your, what is part of your inheritance as a saint? Redemption. Can, can, we do, can we act on this scripture just for a moment? Hallelujah. Giving thanks unto the Father. Giving thanks unto the Father. Giving thanks unto the Father, which have made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance and the saints and the light. Oh, Father, I thank you for the inheritance that you have given us through Jesus Christ. Oh, we thank you and we praise you. Oh, for the riches of your grace. We thank you. Hallelujah. That you have called us your beloved. We thank you that you call us sons and daughters of God. We thank you that you have positioned us in you, that we are in Christ, that when God sees us, he sees us sees us through Jesus. He sees us through the blood of Jesus. He sees us forgiven. He sees us whole. He sees us made new. He sees us as never sinned before. Hallelujah. Giving thanks unto the father. The amplified says giving thanks to the father who has qualified us. Qualified and made us fit to share the portion which, which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people in the light. So what is this inheritance? The next verse says, the father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of control and dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. See, my, my prayer is, that's why the word is so important, because I believe that you, your heart and you are, you, are, you, you, are, you are growing in faith this morning. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of control in the dominion of darkness. What could classify as darkness? Sickness, disease, poverty, lack, confusion, torment, oppression. That means any of the things I just labeled, understanding that, that here, that he has drawn us to himself out of and control in the dominion of darkness. You, if you are in Christ, you are no longer under the dominion of darkness. You are no longer under the dominion of darkness. Hallelujah. I want your, I want the, your spiritual understanding to see that, that you are no longer under the dominion of darkness. If you made Jesus the Lord of your life, it says what he transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Verse 14 in whom, in whom we have redemption through his blood. And the forgiveness of sins. In whom we have redemption. In whom we have. That word redemption again. Hallelujah. 
being fixed? Are you in all of Jesus this morning? Are you, are you captivated by his person, his nature, his character? Are you captivated by the call? And I'm talking about the call as an occupation. I'm talking about the call that you're a son, that you're a daughter, the call that you've been, you've been transferred out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption. He's delivered and drawn us to himself. I want you to know the father's always drawing. Drawn us to himself. In him we have redemption. Thank you, father. As I was praying over this, the Holy Spirit started talking to me about the difference of redemption and restoration. You know, Brother Copeland called this year uh, is a, a year of restoration, according to Isaiah chapter 42. No man says, there's no, there, people are robbed and they're in prison houses because no one cries restore. Man, I, you, as your pastor, I will always declare that over your life. Restore. I don't, it doesn't matter what you might be going through right now, I speak restore over you. I don't care what you went through 10 years ago, 20 years ago. I speak restore over you. It doesn't matter what you might have faced last week. I speak restore over you. And the difference is, is the Lord was talking to me about this. And I want you to get a picture of this. Humanity was placed in bondage under Satan's rule when Adam and Eve fell in the garden. And so they were brought into bondage. And because they were brought into bondage, everything that came with that fall was now a part of humanity. There was no sickness before Adam and Eve fell in the garden. There was no fear. There was no shame. There was no guilt. All that was a result of that fall. And so here, humanity was, was burdened down. They, humanity was oppressed. Human, humanity was broken. Humanity was hurt. Humanity was sorrowful. Humanity had no hope. Humanity was lost. Humanity, because of, because of what happened, sickness and disease came in. Because of what happened, poverty came in. Because of confusion came in. So get a picture of this. Redemption is being bought out of bondage. Restoration is the mending and making a whole of what happened when you were in bondage. Redemption is being bought out of the bondage. Restoration is being made whole of what happened when you were in bondage. See, it wasn't just being to be redeemed. But it was also about being restored. It wasn't just about being forgiven, but it's about being made whole. Jesus came out of the, out of the wilderness full of the power and the Holy Ghost. And he said, what? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because what he sent me to preach the gospel to the poor. The good news to the poor. What's good news to a poor person? You don't have to be poor anymore. What's good news to a person that's captive? 
You don't have to be captive anymore. He preached the gospel, the good news to the poor. See, when we're fixed on Christ's unlimited supply, then we're fixed on the one who can make me whole. The one that not only just redeemed me, but the one that will restore me. Let's look at verse 15. Of Colossians 1. Now he is the exact likeness of the unseen God. The visible representation of the invisible. He is the firstborn of all creation. Meaning if you want to see. If you want to see God then look at Jesus. For it was in him. That all things were created. For the sake of time let's go down to verse 19. For it has pleased the father. That all divine fullness, the sum total of divine perfection, power, and attributes should dwell in him permanently. And God purposed that through and by the service and intervention of him, the son, all things should be completely reconciled. Now, what is that? And God purposed that through him, talking about Jesus, that God purposed that through Jesus, all things should completely reconcile back to himself. Whether on earth or in heaven or through him. See, this isn't just about in heaven. This is on earth and in heaven. Hallelujah. Whether on earth or in heaven, as through him the Father made peace by means of the blood of his cross. And although you at one time were estranged and alienated from him, and you were a hostile attitude of mind in your wicked activities, yet now has Christ reconciled you to God in the body of his flesh through death in order to present you holy and faultless and irreproachable in his father's presence. Now, verse 23, and this he will do provided that you continue to stay with and in the faith in Christ. Well grounded, settled and steadfast, not shifting or moving away from the hope which rests on and is inspired by what? The gospel. Which you heard and which has been preached as being designed for and offered without restriction to every person under heaven and of which, which gospel I, Paul, became a minister. Now, what do, I want, what do we need to see here? Verse 23. And this he will do provided that you continue to stay. That sounds like Fixed. You continue to stay with and in the faith, well-grounded and settled and steadfast, not shifting or moving away from the hope of the gospel. The prophetic word. Don't pay attention to what they say. Keep your eyes on me and I will have my way. Continue to stay with and in the faith, well-grounded and settled and steadfast, not shifting or moving away from the hope of the gospel. Well-grounded, settled and steadfast, the hope of the gospel. What was the gospel? 
what Jesus preached. Being settled. 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 Well grounded. Fixed. On the gospel. On the gospel. On the gospel. Not just that you're redeemed. But God wants you whole. My prayer for you is that in this season, that you would be well grounded, that you would be steadfast and that you would be fixed on the hope of the gospel. And as you are well grounded and you're fixed and you're settled on the gospel, you will, you will be captivated by the call to be the son, to be the redeemed and to be the chosen. Let me close with this Isaiah 43 and I close worship out with this Isaiah 43. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you that we are fixed on your unlimited supply. Fixed. Father, I thank you for your redemption. And I thank you for your restoration. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Isaiah 43, verse 10. And I'll close with this. He says, you are my witnesses, says the Lord in my servant, whom I have chosen, that you may know me, believe me, and remain steadfast to me. And understand, I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after. I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. Fixed, well-grounded steadfast in the hope of the gospel. See, that's being fixed on Christ's unlimited supply is being fixed steadfast on the hope of the gospel. And here he says, remain steadfast to me and understand that I am he before me. There's no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I am the Lord and besides me, there is no savior. Let's fix our eyes. On the hope. Let's fix our eyes on the hope and the expectation of glory. Let's fix our eyes on Christ in us, the hope of glory. Let's fix our eyes on him who does the impossible. Let's fix our eyes on the one that just doesn't want to redeem, but the one that wants and desires to restore. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your word today. And I thank you that as a body, we will be fixed on your unlimited supply. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you. I thank you that you've chosen each one of us in this room. Each person, by, person watching by way of internet, I thank you that you have called them to be sons and daughters of God. I thank you for the peace of God that passes all understanding. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. Those 
watching today. I thank you those that may have felt far from you. I thank you today they come close. I thank you as a body. We, we would be in all. We'd be captivated. By being in Christ. I thank you, Father, that you have drawn us out of darkness and you brought us into the kingdom of your dear son. I thank you for healing. I thank you for miracles. I thank you for restoring. I thank you for making whole. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God loves you. God loves you. He's chosen you. Not just chosen you, but redeemed you. He purchased you. He cares about every detail of your life. So make a determination this morning. To fix your eyes on him. Remain steadfast to him. Be settled and well grounded in the, in the hope of the gospel. We thank you for it this morning in Jesus name. Amen. If you receive this word this morning, give him a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.